The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, This one began to build but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king marching into battle would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops. But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. I hope you all caught that. I hope you all uh, kind of were a little bit surprised. And maybe even made a little bit uncomfortable. About what? Unless you... If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. Should make us a little bit uncomfortable. Wait, I I thought I was supposed to love my mother and father, you know, wife and, and children. Wait, but Jesus is saying to hate? My mother and father? Let's just sit there a little bit. I hope you feel uncomfortable. We can't just explain this away and sometimes just say, well, I, I don't think Jesus really knows what he's saying, right? We can sometimes do that. We can kind of say, maybe say, well, maybe I misheard, right? Maybe that's not really what Father Samuel said from the gospel, right? I must have heard it wrong. It must have been hating or, you know, it must have been something else, not hate, you know, something, something to that regard. No, you heard correctly. Unless you hate your mother and father, you cannot be my disciple. And we might want to explain that away and say, well, you know, he doesn't really mean that, right? Or, well, I believe in Jesus, but maybe, you know, I don't believe in that part of Jesus. I believe in the other parts of Jesus. You know, the, the Jesus who says, be nice, right? But no, it's, it's pretty clear if we believe who Jesus is that we need to take all of who he is, right? Because if he's the Son of God, if Scripture is the Word of God, we need to take it all in and accept it because if we reject a single word of Scripture, we reject all of it. So how do we deal with certain passages like this? Well, I think certain passages like this, it's okay to be uncomfortable. 
Okay? So I'm giving you permission. Be uncomfortable. Okay? It's an important thing in our struggle of discipleship. In our struggle of faith in Christianity, there are certain things that we struggle with, and that's okay. Okay? The problem actually comes in when we don't struggle with it. When we don't think about it. When we just hear this passage and say, Oh, hate your father and mother, you cannot be my disciple. Okay, I don't know what that means and I don't really care. That's where we have a problem. Somebody taking this in and saying, Well, what does Jesus mean here? Like, I don't know if I want to hate my mother and father. Well, there's a good place. There's a good place of dialogue. There's a good place of prayer. There's a good place of engaging this scripture in a deeper way than just a surface level understanding. And so, how do we understand this when we start to to wrestle with it? Well, we of course don't take this scripture in isolation. It's not that you take this one line of Jesus and construct your entire understanding of Christianity, right? You take it within other contexts. And one of the other contexts that we take it within is to note that Scripture, and even Jesus, right? Jesus was obedient to Mary and Joseph. He didn't hate passionately and disregard his parents. We also see that the fourth commandment is honor your father and mother. And that Jesus actually criticizes the Pharisees for making certain laws that get children out of having to take care of and honor their father and mother. So it's not that Jesus is rejecting the fourth commandment. So how do we understand this intention with those other parts of Jesus? Well, we have to understand it a a, a little bit more in context. We also have to understand that this scripture was not written in English. That's an important thing for us to note, right? Jesus didn't speak in English. He didn't speak in Latin either. He spoke in Aramaic, uh, a form of Aramaic that would have been present at his time. And so he spoke in Aramaic. And then it was actually scripture. St. Luke wrote this in Greek. And it doesn't mean that it's not what Jesus said. Well, it is. We believe that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit and that the Greek word that Luke wrote was truly a true representation and is the word of God. But then it was translated into English as well. And even though that it's not completely separated from the English, sometimes our English translation doesn't always have an accurate understanding or our application of certain English words isn't always what it is. And the Greek word that's used for hate here can mean passionate hate, as what we think of when we hear the English word hate, right? When we think of that, we just think of kind of seething, passion, right? Kind of a a disdain for the other person, this hatred. Well, the Greek word can mean that, but it has a much broader meaning than the English word of hate. It can also just mean kind of a removed detachment from, okay? So kind of a difference between passion and kind of detachment from. And so we can understand that it's maybe not completely that we need a passionate hatred for our parents. 
But what kind of hatred do we need of our parents, our spouse, our children, our brothers and sisters in that? Well, I think before we kind of dive into that a little bit more, we also have to ask one other question of this scripture. Is that Jesus is giving the conditions for discipleship. And I think one of the other questions that we really have to ask ourselves as we kind of read scripture, as we preach the gospel, is to ask, do I want to be a disciple of Jesus? I think that's a real question. What does it mean to be a disciple, right? Maybe you don't want to be a disciple. Maybe you want to just say, well, I just want to know Jesus, right? I just want to make it to heaven. I don't really want to be a disciple. I I just want to make it to heaven. I just want him to know me and me to know him so that when I die, I go to the gates. I'm like, hey, Jesus, hey, you got me, right? You know, you know me. And well, Jesus also says that that doesn't quite work if, if that's what we're trying to get. He says at a certain point, you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my heavenly Father. And actually, in order to make it to heaven, we have to be disciples. We have to follow him closely, right on his heels, to observe him, to be able to take him in, in order to be able to make it to heaven. But it's not just a reward as well in heaven. We also have to acknowledge that right now, Jesus speaks about being a disciple. And he says, I have come so that you might have life abundant. You might have it to the full. And we also see the difference between somebody who just kind of knows who Jesus is, kind of just knows who he is, but doesn't really change your life, right? Doesn't convert their life. Their life isn't affected by Jesus and who he is on a daily basis. Well, that type of person actually can't fully participate in the gifts that Jesus wants to give us. Jesus wants us to have life abundant. We sometimes imagine that having to follow Jesus is just going to be a depressing thing. Wah, wah. You know, like, now I've got to follow all these rules and all the fun that I had is now gone. Well, actually, that's not what Jesus intends. Actually, his laws are so that we might be able to actually live a fuller life. So that we might be at peace with ourselves and peace with God by doing what we're made to do. And so when we think about this discipleship, yeah, it's a difficult call. But it doesn't mean that we lose everything. So how does this hatred work if we want to be his disciple? Well, one of the good examples that we have of hatred in this context, I think we can also see in a health way, okay? So I'll give you an example. You have to actually hate your body in order to have a healthy body, okay? How does that work? You have to hate your body. Well, don't you, you know, in order to take care of your body, don't you have to care for your body? Well, yeah, but there's certain things that you actually have to do to hate your body in order to properly care for it. You know, if you just loved your body and allowed your body to rule in whatever way that it would do, I don't know about your body, but my body just wants to sit on the couch and eat ice cream all day, right? 
I mean, but unfortunately, my body is not going to be very uh, successful. It's not going to be very healthy. And actually, it's probably going to kill the body, right, if I just sit on the couch and eat ice cream all day. And in fact, we also know that actually my body is going to actually feel pretty bad. So how do I actually love my body in the proper sense? It's actually by hating it sometimes and by not eating all the dessert that my body wants to eat and eating vegetables on occasion, right? Not too often, but on occasion, right? Um, But also, it's important to exercise, right? It's important to exercise if I want a healthy body. And that a lot of the time, your body doesn't want to do that. And so you have to actually say, hey body, I'm going to hate you right now, and I'm gonna exercise so that I actually have a healthy body, right? We properly live out how the body is supposed to live and thus actually love it by hating it. Now, how does this work with our mother and father? Well, it works by properly ordering our life as well. That we cannot place the fourth commandment, honor your father and mother, above the first commandment, that you shall have no other gods than God alone. I love these signs that I see around. They have a sign, and I think my mom has one too. It, It says, Faith, Family, Friends. And it's a great sign because those are such important things to us. And I love that it orders it, right? Faith, family, friends. But unfortunately, I see a lot of the times, a lot of times in our life, that we, that we have maybe an intellectual understanding that, yeah, faith is number one. Family is, is second. Friends are third. But I see it lived out a lot of the time, not necessarily in that order. I see a lot of the time where we say, yeah, faith is number one, but if family gets in the way, well, you know, family is important, so I'm going to choose family over, over going to Mass. I'm going to choose, you know, my family is here right now, and it's really difficult to pray. You know, I normally get up early in the morning to go pray, but since my family is here, well, I can't do that. Well, yeah. Uh, maybe it's more difficult But which one is the higher priority? How can you actually love your family? Actually, by loving God. By having faith, number one, you actually love your family more even though you place them second and actually hate them to a certain regard as they take you away from God. Now, this is a difficult thing to to live out, certainly so, but we have to really challenge ourselves. If I say that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, that my life is formed by Jesus Christ, who became man, suffered, died for us, so that we might have life abundant in this life and be with him for eternity, that he himself... uh, gave us the sacrament of the Eucharist and continues to come to us in the Eucharist so that we might be able to receive His grace and know of His presence. But yet we choose family, our parents, our children, our spouse, our life over that of Jesus. We're not ready to be His disciples. In fact, Jesus says that we cannot be His disciples. So as we look 
at our life, as we seek to construct this tower, not on our own, but with Jesus Christ, may we actually evaluate our life, actually struggle, just as we were struggling with the scripture today, struggle with the way that our life is maybe conformed to Jesus and the ways that it's not conformed to Jesus. If we think about our life for a second, I want us to think about what do I spend the most time in my life on? Where is most of my time spent? Maybe it's in school, maybe it's in work. Where do I spend my most money? Where do I enjoy the most? What are my hobbies that I'll extend anything for? We look at our life and we evaluate those things, not because those are bad things, right? Our family is not a bad thing. But if it gets disordered, it it is a bad thing. Jesus' call to discipleship is that He is number one. Do we place other priorities as more important? Do we have a difficulty at making it to Mass on Sunday, but yet we can always make the Packer game? Do we have a difficulty making it to Sunday, but guess what? If family is around, if we've got that sports game, we'll drive, you know, hours to go to that sports game, but we can't really fit in Mass for the weekend. Perhaps we have to reevaluate, are we disciples of Jesus? Now, I also have to say that Mass is not the encompassing of discipleship, right? Mass is not the only thing that establishes your relationship with Jesus Christ. But it's hard to argue with such a concrete encounter. If we believe that Jesus Christ truly becomes present in the Eucharist, if we truly believe that the Mass is the source and summit of our faith, it's hard to argue that if you place something else as more important than Mass, that you are taking faith and lowering it below family or friends or hobbies or other things in your life. And you have placed God as second or third. And with doing that, you've rejected Jesus Christ to a certain degree. And so, it's not as if it's super simple, right? We have to struggle with this. We have to understand it in the context of it all. But I encourage you to continue to evaluate your life as I myself, you know, right? As a priest, it's super easy, right? No. Right? I've got plenty of other things to do. And I have to constantly reevaluate my life and to be able to say, am I properly taking my time for prayer? Am I placing Jesus Christ as number one? Or am I placing other things as number one? We ourselves are continually called to conversion, to continue to change our life, to follow Jesus right on His heels. And to a certain extent, that requires us to renounce and say no and even hate good things of the world so that we might love the greatest good and to be able to love our life, our body, and our family properly. May we come here before Jesus Christ and make that commitment and say, Jesus, I want to be your disciple. 
Help me to love you as I properly should. 